Coming up with the trade deadline looming, we take a look at Peter King's midseason awards, why a couple of names on there are critical for the New York football Giants' success, and what to expect from Big Blue in terms of going out and adding talent, understanding it comes at a price. We break it all down next. Ah, yes, my friends. It's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your host. I'm Adam Arbett, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy Doug Norrie. And yonder there is the healthy, wealthy, and wise, the season generational ticket holder, the man with a plan, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. Joe Burrow last night. I got I got to tell you, I'm just going to Oh, yeah, I forgot right about now. that. There's a Monday Night <laughs> Football game. I think Joe Burrow is now 0-13 in primetime games, and you know, everyone likes to throw the Daniel Jones stat up, how he doesn't perform very well. And yet here we have the guy that was just in the Super Bowl last year. Oh, and 13 in primetime games. And they just looked lost without Jamar Chase on the field. I don't know if you watched some of the game last night. It was it was pretty sad to watch their offense try to move the ball. Well, I tell you what, man, um, they're not doing him any favors, that offensive line. Right. And when you talk about that with Daniel Jones, too, I mean, they, they you know, this is this is different in the sense of like, well, what is Daniel Jones ceiling? And you make gotta make sure you have the offensive line. You know exactly what Joe Burrow is capable of, and you seemingly thought you addressed it. Clearly, did not. He's still running for his life this season. I mean, what an absolute disaster! You could end up, you know, bludgeoning this kid in the first two years of his career, and you may not realize the damage you've done until years five, six, or seven. So, uh, absolutely brutal for them. Cleveland Browns just hanging on by a wing and a prayer here with Jacoby Brissett under center. So it, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, they, they showed something really interesting, which I think w- w- was probably something that giant fans are going to be interested in is mm-hmm. le- before they went and got Jamar chase, Joe Burrow was facing cover zero a ton where they were basically just like stacking the box or blitzing him and saying, you know, you don't have an outlet or a release that we're going to attack you when Jamar chase is out there. When you have a stud wide receiver to be able to complement a really good quarterback, they can't play that coverage anymore because then Joe Burrow can just throw it up over the top and Jamar Chase is going to win the majority of those. So I thought that was fascinating that without him, this he really is the engine that makes this work because he just opens up the field for Mixon to be able to run some of those short and intermediate routes. It's fascinating when you lose one player from a former Super, you know, a Super Bowl team, uh, it, it really changes the dynamic of their entire offense. Well, and that's why, like I know, as we're going to talk about here coming up in a minute, um, you know, why Giants fans are clamoring to go out and get some of the big name players that are available at wide receiver because what it'll mean. And I think, as we'll um, explain, it's not about a lack of desire from Andy or myself to have better players or to have an elite number one wide receiver. Sometimes it comes down to dollars and cents. But, yeah, the impact is obviously massive. We see it in, in Green Bay, by the way, too, right? Whether or not Aaron Rodgers is getting a little bit older, you also understand without Devontae Adams, now all of a sudden defenses come up and say, okay, we're going to play you straight up and see if any of these one individuals are going to elevate their game to that point. No? All right. It also makes it a lot easier for us to defend against your two-headed monster in the backfield as well, right? So all these things have impacts. And by the way, maybe it's why elite wide receivers are demanding massive paydays on the open market because they understand their impact away from the ball and away from the play just by physically being on the field. 
That being the case, as we work our way through this week, we actually have a, a really fun crossover that's going to be coming up, I think, on Thursday morning. So be looking forward to that. But it is the midpoint of the season for the Giants and effectively the midpoint for the NFL overall. And Peter King, who everyone knows, wide covering NFL uh, voice, was giving out his midseason awards. And among them, we'll just tap, we'll tap down on a couple of these. One that's not surprising would be offensive player where he had coming in at number five, one Mr. Saquon Barkley, who's given 968 all-purpose yards. He also has... Um, obviously performed at a high level on a week-to-week basis for the New York football Giants. No surprise here for you that Saquon Barkley is getting recognized. I think not only the production on the field, but the fact that he had been away with injury, like it just, it's the perfect combination of here's a dude that's going to deserve all the attention for what he's accomplishing. Well, and also the Giants weren't winning games when he wasn't there or he wasn't effective last season. And then all of a sudden the Giants are six and two. They're the surprise of the NFL all of a sudden there's a spotlight on him and he has performed admirably. You know, he's in the top five and basically all purpose yards, rushing yards, anything that any of the metrics that you see for running backs, he's been great. He has been the most consistent player for, for the giants. I'd say, you know, doing everything that he can in that backfield, love to see him getting recognized. Obviously we're not even halfway through the entire season yet. So there's still a long way to go for him to, to be able to show up maybe and get some votes in the actual MVP conversation at the end of the year. We're going to talk about also a defensive player that gets mentioned here and then one other name, one other key name for the New York football giants. But inside of Peter King's article, I will just say um, it was his football in America uh, column. King acknowledged Big Blue's start by referring to them as the craziest team in this crazy season, which I think which it maybe does encapsulate sometimes when we're, when we're talking about them and are they good? Are they bad? Does the record valid invalid? When you've looked around this league this year, it really has felt like that. Like it's been a very weird year where like teams are struggling to get wins. Teams you think are good. The, the, uh, you know, Cincinnati Bengals look at, they finally get on track and then they lose in just miserable fashion to the Browns last night. So I just, I find that line um, to be, quite comical if I'm honest. And he also goes on to say though, maybe we should just accept that smart coaches, Brian Dable, of course, and underrated Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale can put players in position to win late in games. King wrote, they've done it for much of the season so far. Doesn't mention them as a coach of the year discussions here um, that we're going to tap into, but it is as we've said over and over again, the coaching staff has elevated these players in so many forms and fashions. One bright spot that King does note on the defensive side of the ball, not surprising to New York football giants, especially based on expectations that we talked about coming into the season about what he had to do, and that is Dexter Lawrence. Um, it hasn't gone unnoticed, as it's noted, selected him at, uh, inside of his short list of top defensive players with Micah Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys coming in at number one. I, I mean, I think that what Dexter Lawrence has done this year has already been impressive. And then combined with the absence of Leonard Williams, and then at times Aziz Ojolari and the rookie Kayvon Thibodeau and losing Darian Beavers and getting rid of Blake Martinez, right? Like, and rotating Jalen Smith into a starting inside linebacker role over Tay Crowder in week number eight this week. Like there's been a lot of things that have gone on around Dexter Lawrence. He's, upped his reps and upped his consistency of performance. Something that we said he needed to do this year. He's top 10 in sacks as in defensive interior lineman, right? Like they, that's usually reserved for edge rushers. He is getting to the quarterback. He is wreaking havoc. 
Adam, it makes me think back to, um, you know, the off season. And we said the giants had two big decisions to make with Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence and whether or not they were going to pick up the fifth year option. We both said they would likely decline Daniel Jones's. And we both felt pretty good that they should pick up Dexter Lawrence because the talent and the ability is there and he's still young. And man, how happy does Joe Shane have to be that they decided to pick up that option? Because if they, if they didn't add him, you're talking about uh, how much is he going to make? You know, he's making himself probably what fourteen to fifteen million dollars a year as as uh, you know a, an emerging young talented interior lineman. They don't just grow on trees. The Giants probably saved themselves five to ten million dollars by picking up that option. You know, in the offseason. Yeah, it gives him flexibility. And just think about were they confident in him? You have to think bringing in Wink Martindale and saying. We think that Dexter Lawrence is going to take that next big step, makes picking up the fifth year an incredibly easy decision, and now they get to play with it. I'll be very interested to see what happens in the offseason. Like, obviously, the fifth-year option is there, and it gives them financial flexibility. But depending on where they spend their money and how it gets allocated, it might not be the worst thing in the world. Because remember, the franchise tag, or I'm sorry, the fifth-year option is going to come in. It's still a reasonably high number, I think, as a, you know, he's a rookie, Um but a first round pick. So it's going to be well under what a franchise tag would look like on a defensive tackle. However, do you reward him, right? Do you reward Dexter Lawrence for his incredible play and give that contract and extend him? Even though you picked up that fifth year option, it's certainly possible, but we'll wait to see what happens here as it looks like he's going to come in and doing the work in the background, 10.7 million will be the fifth year option, right? So you're not, you're not, you're not miles away, right? You're not talking about going from 6 million to 15 million. So maybe they do it, but I will say that number, that number is big enough to not feel like you need to, right? That, that, that was the point right. I was going to make was like, do you want to make it say, $3 million where it's a slap in the face and you exactly, know, he, he right. can make money, right? Right. right yeah, like, yeah, like I, Dexter, like, Hey man, thanks so much. Now just do it again at like pennies on the dollar and then we'll totally reward you. He can feel good about getting that bump. No, most most uh, beat writers and reporters think both Dexter Lawrence and Julian Love are two guys that pr the Giants are probably going to have extension talks with. It's probably going to be a little bit easier with Julian Love than it is Dexter Lawrence because Dexter's having an all-pro type season. It, you know, it, so it makes it a little bit more challenging. Maybe you know if Julian Love likes what they're building and they see him as a captain, maybe he comes back on a little bit more of a team-friendly deal. Maybe it's a you know an eight million dollar a year thing to pair him with Xavier McKinney for the next few seasons. But yes, Adam, Dexter Lawrence has been great. To your point, locked up for next season would be great to see them open up some extension talks, but don't necessarily need to and can kind of play it by ear. And so the last name that gets mentioned here, recognized by Peter King, is not a player on the field, not a coach on the staff, but rather. Wouldn't you know it? An NFL executive, as they're referring, as they refer to him, which would be, of course, one Joe Shane for the New York Football Giants. And I'll contextualize it because they haven't done. You don't you know. There's really a lot of quotes right now coming out from Joe Shane, um, but inside of it, he references how successful he has been navigating. Obviously, his first off season didn't have any cap room, didn't have a ton of personnel, but went out and did what? Most importantly got the right coach in place, got the right staff in place, and then has made moves in the margins to improve this team over the course of the season and obviously dealing with a number of injuries throughout. He came in number three on King's list of top choices for executive. You have Howie Roseman from Philadelphia, not surprisingly, with the way he's been able to wheel and deal. And then also Seattle's John Schneider, which makes a ton of sense because Seattle has had a great year relative to what expectations were. And of course, Joe Douglas, uh, sorry, uh, Buffalo Bills, Brendan Bean, 
uh, rounded out the top five there as well. I'll just use this reference point here when we talk about Joe Shane and where the Giants are as we approach this trade deadline where Brian Dable said, you're always self-evaluating yourself each week. Uh, Dable said Monday afternoon, 10 hours after the team returned from his cross-country flight from Seattle. We have quality control coaches. We have analytics. Then the coaches do it. We try to do it on a week-to-week basis and try to improve on things. And maybe we're not doing as good a job as we'd like to. We try to build off some of the positive things. So we'll always continue to do that. But really, we're in right now looking at the tape. And with the extra days, we'll have some time to look ahead of Houston on a few other things. He went on to say, as far as what they're going to do at this deadline, we'll have the discussion, right? Joe Shane, and we'll talk about it. I'll identify spots I think we could improve, but that's all a rolling and active process they've done all year long. I So, Adam, watching last night's game, too, I'm going to take us on a little journey here. Okay. Watching last night's game, you watch the Cleveland Browns, and they made a decision in the offseason to use some of the cap space that they had to go out and get Amari Cooper, right? They got Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick, and he looked great last night. He was a number one wide receiver for them, racking up over 130 yards, looked like he could get past the secondary whenever he wanted, and Jacoby Brissett was hitting him in stride. And most Giant fans, I think, are feeling, you know, seeing that, why can't we make a move? And let me let me just explain two quick things to you. One is the Cleveland Browns had the $18 million to absorb Amari Cooper's giant cap hit, which is the reason why Dallas even gave him up and he was available to begin with. The second piece of it is, the Giants don't have that cap space available to absorb a bad contract on anyone. So we're asking teams for good players saying we can't eat any money. And Joe Shane doesn't want to give up a premium pick like that. Doesn't that equation doesn't get us a number one wide receiver at any point. I I, I just don't see it. Yeah, no. And so we're going to get, obviously we're the deadline and what do we expect from Joe Shane to do? And it is a good example reminder though, too, that the reason that you saw, so the uh, Dallas Cowboys currently have $6.3 million in cap space. The Dallas Cowboy look why for a fifth round pick, because they had to get under the cap. They had been spent, they'd spent money. They had allocated it to different positions. They know that they re up Dak Prescott, right? And then he suffers the injury and it throws things off a little bit, et cetera. But essentially, that's what it came down to. Now, they had a belief in, in their other wide receivers. They have CD Lamb there, et cetera. They had paid Ezekiel Elliott. So they got pushed into a difficult spot where effectively, I don't think anyone doubted that Amari Cooper was still a number one wide receiver. It was just, we can't afford to keep him. So when you're back up against the wall like that, you're going to make a choice to, to try to get value. Unlike, to your point, right now, when we talk about some of the top wide receivers that are available or the top wide receivers that you know New York Giants fans want to look at, a DJ Moore, a Brendan Cooks, you, know, you want to go and look at a Michael Thomas, all of these names. Yes, some teams may want to move on from them. But each one has their own spectrum. And then, oh, sorry, we could also throw in Jerry Judy, most importantly, from the Denver Broncos. The Carolina Panthers may be rebuilding, but DJ Moore is the young stud wide receiver that you probably want to have be a part of that. So if you were willing to part ways with it, it's going to be about how much draft capital we can get. And then even if you're one of these other teams, while you do have the big money on the books, as long as it's not damaging your ability to make moves in the upcoming offseason, again, you're going to want to be wowed about it. And let's zero in on the Jerry Judy piece of this because it was also discussed here. Uh, this coming in from the Mile High Huddle, 
with uh, Chad Jensen, who reported Broncos asking price for Jerry Judy too steep for the New York football giants because they want to be blown away if they're going to give up on Jerry Judy, a young wide receiver. And this goes for KJ Hamler as well as reported because they literally just went out and got Russell Wilson. And while the eye test may tell you he sucks, the bottom line is the Denver Broncos coming off of a win at three and five are not eliminated from the playoff picture. And they're not going to eliminate themselves from trying to be competitive. They still have one of the better defenses in the NFL right now. If they can mildly get their offense on track, they can win some ball games and try to go towards the playoffs. So one of my biggest pushbacks is like, yes, when you're a Giants fan or fan of any team, you look around the league, go, oh, yeah, oh, oh, we should go get this guy. They're, they're, oh, they're, they're struggling a little bit. Okay. You have to go look at those teams and see what were their expectations coming into the season and what are the asking prices. And those two things for most of these teams makes it really hard to think that Joe Shane, one of the top executives of the year, according to Peter King, is going to go make that move. It's just not realistic. I know you got blowback when you threw out our two top names that the Giants should you know, be taking a look at, which we based on value, availability, and price. Yeah, and, and let's just keep in mind, all right, so let's start with Jerry Judy to your point. The the Broncos are all in with Mr. Unlimited in, in Russell Wilson. Like they traded Mr. all those assets. Unlimited. They're not they're not gonna punt on this. Yeah, they're not gonna punt on this season, Adam. That would be just ludicrous. They they're going down with the ship for by hook or by crook. So I don't see them trading one of their best assets to make Russell Wilson look even worse. Like you gotta keep them to also make make that situation work. The other thing is Jerry Judy in 2020. Uh, basically led the league in drop percentage. Like he had an issue dropping balls, right? 2021, he really did improve that. He looked better last season. It's kind of been, you know, it's it's slowly improving, but that's still something to think about. Also, he's had some injury concerns, Adam. When you look at kind of his, his, his whole entire sheet of injuries, it goes back to having a meniscus issue, issue chest and, and, and a rib sprain. He had a shoulder injury. He had two different ankle injuries at the beginning of last season to miss six games. Like he's, he's had a couple of injuries that don't allow him to be on the field. So for me, we're talking about giving up premium assets to a team that doesn't want to trade him for a guy that's had injuries and also has dropped balls. Like to me, I know people like the upside. It's tantalizing. He's 23 years old. He runs a 4-4-5. He went to Alabama. We all remember him catching passes in that Alabama uniform. But -hmm. I think where the Giants are right now, Jerry Judy, to me, doesn't make the most sense in terms of spending draft capital that we're going to clearly need to revamp this entire roster into the offseason. Oh, hundred percent. And again, like just to you know, clarify, when you look at the standings, you know, the Broncos are three and five, they're third in their division. And you can look around the AFC as a whole. And I think the reason why a team like that and several teams won't be willing to sell is because, okay, Jets and the Dolphins, both five and three behind the bills in the AFC East. After that, the only team standing between the, uh, the Denver Broncos and getting a wild card spot, you're one game away from the Chargers. You're one game away from the Bengals who lost and the Colts are three, four, and one. Right? So you're, you are literally not even, it doesn't matter how good or bad you've played. You are a, a, a win away from being right in the third wild card spot. You're not going to jettison talent in order to try to get that done. Now, interestingly enough, when we look out a little bit broader around the, the landscape for some of the rumors around the trade deadline, there are things that I think you can think about. Now, I don't know if it's going to – sorry. It's not going to matter for the Giants because I don't think that this is the move coming. Although, one aspect of this, getting away from the Denver Broncos and the Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamlers of it, 
is if the Giants are looking to make a move for a higher price wide receiver, this is also why I think it's really difficult. Because I don't think top executive potentially of the year, Joe Shane, is going to look at, let's say, a team like the Seattle, uh, sorry, like the New Orleans Saints, who I'm just noting here signed wide receiver Keith Kirkwood to the practice squad. Move like that, it can mean something up above that player and up above that position is going to occur on the roster. Let's say Michael Thomas was the guy that maybe, you know, you're going to go for here. Again, okay, the Saints are going to absorb a lot of that contract, but in absorbing a lot of the money, they're going to want to elevate the draft capital that they get back in return. And that's where I think it doesn't matter. Do the Giants have the assets? Of course they do. But I don't think that they're going to go and give up a first, even a second. I don't even know if they give up a third at this point. Like a fourth is probably pushing the limit of what they're willing to do. And I know that Giants fans, like they look at it and they say, we just talked about the top, how valuable number one wide receivers are, what it can mean for Daniel Jones, what it can mean for this offense and for this season. But again, if you think that, if you think this team could go to the Super Bowl this year, then it's probably worth it. Maybe pushing some extra chips into the middle of the pot. Anything probably shy of that, it's not worth disrupting the next year of your, you know, of your franchise building, the next two years of your franchise building, depending on the commitments, all to get a player that, yes, will improve things in the moment, but could actually impact you negatively over the next season or two, especially from not having more assets in the draft and maybe being locked into money you don't want to. We saw one of the big errors for Dave Gettleman was giving out too much big money. You don't want to fall into that trap here. Other people are talking about Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans. Obviously, he's at six 1,000-yard receiver receiving seasons. He is a very good veteran. The problem, Adam, is that he's going to be on the books for $18 million a year. So what we're saying is, you know, the Giants have the third most cap space next season. Does, Brand, does Brandon Cooks eating up over a third of the available cap space make sense for what the Giants need to improve on the entire roster? My answer to that would be no. We have much bigger needs at inside linebacker. We might need to go out and look for a cornerback at some point. We may have to like pick up a, a, a wide receiver that is a little bit of a big body frame considering we have Wandell Robinson and, and others in there. To me, that doesn't make sense for the Giants, even if it's a fifth or a sixth round pick for Brandon Cooks to have him eating up all that cap space when Joe Shane finally gets to make this roster into what he wants, really, it it, it doesn't make sense in the slightest to me. It really doesn't. Yeah, and it's, the only, only interesting part about this is if there is a team, and we can use, see, so like Cooks and Houston, because I'm trying to just in real time here, pull up where the Texans are on their cap room, right? Because on the one hand, you could say, all right, we're ready to move on and we're a rebuilding franchise, so we just want to move off of this money. But right now, as it stands, let's just take a look. So only $2 million in cap space. So it becomes a little bit interesting. But again, I'll tell you what the speed bump is here. Okay, we want to move off this guy, but what is the number going to look like and what is the draft capital going to look like? like this is the dance because some of these things... Um, if you look at the contracts and depending where the guaranteed money is, it's not going to be as big a number on the books for the Giants if they bring a player in. But again, every time that you see something that looks positive for the Giants to make a move like this, there's probably a caveat or a catch, either draft capital or locked in money beyond this season right now and what that's going to look like for any of these players. And I think, Adam, I think you and I are are both in the same mindset that if the Giants are going to make a move at wide receiver, 
I honestly think it's just an improvement over the snaps that Marcus Johnson, David Sills, and even Richie James in the return game have been getting. It's not, let's get a number one guy to put us over the top and win a Super Bowl. It's how can we improve just our depth and our raise the floor. snaps? Yeah, raise the floor of what we're putting out on the field. And if that costs a sixth round pick to be able to do that and have someone come in, that to me is good business. Putting a second round pick against a guy like Jerry Judy, who while might be good and, and could potentially be a wide receiver two or even a one a like, does that vault us into super bowl status? As you, as you mentioned, probably not. So I think you, you raise the floor, make the wide receiver room look a little bit better. You're going to be getting Kenny Galladay back and you haven't given up a premium asset that Joe Shane would like to use a second round pick next year. Is it, is a projected starter on a cheap team friendly deal for three or four seasons. I don't necessarily know if he's going to mortgage that, to have a wide receiver out there that may or may not help improve things for us. No, a hundred percent. At least that's the way that I see it. Um, the two names that you and I threw out there, and I'm going to add a third one here. And then I want to talk about a couple of names. Um, and some interesting things because you mentioned the giants maybe wanting to go out and improve the cornerback room there potentially as well. So um, I had listed, obviously I've said, I've said his name a couple of times before, Josh Reynolds from the Detroit lions, again, low cost, six foot three, big bodied guy, they're not going anywhere this season. They are out of the picture right now. So maybe you can go and get him for a sixth or even just seventh round pick. And he's not on the books for big money or beyond this ne the next upcoming season. Um, who is your guy? I don't know why I can't remember right now. Marquez Calloway. Oh, right. And that's from the Saints, right? So again, when we note that they added a wide receiver to their practice squad, you could be thinking, oh, well, maybe they're going to move Michael Thomas. Also, maybe they're going to move one of the lower ranking players who certainly would walk right in the door and give you an opportunity um, to improve where the Giants are. Who, by the way, uh, Marcus Johnson leads the team in reps at the wide receiver position this season. <laughs> Right, so it's, it's, not, it's not just that he's playing, it's that he's led the wide receiver group in snaps this season. That's the thing that you need to try to shift here. And you've already seen it with Wandell Robinson getting out there with more Darius Slayton. But bottom line is having Marcus Johnson lead the team in reps is not, you can't even be top three in reps on the team, right? That's what you're trying to change in the second half of this season. 100%. That's the whole point is it's okay to have Marcus Johnson have a handful of snaps and try to contribute. The longer someone like that is out on the field, the more their weaknesses get exposed. And so that's why we can't have them doing 95% of the snaps. Adam, what what I, I think you'll be pleased to hear, you know, obviously with, with Richie James's injury, we hope he gets better. Um, if the Giants are going to make a change, people are calling for Khalil Pimpleton to come up and be the kick returner, punt returner for the Giants because he does oh, that's have a nice, that that's a nice marginal one to get him up there just – Kick and punt returns first, and then we'll worry about anything after that second. Because that's what Richie James had been doing the last three or four weeks. So it wouldn't be upsetting the apple cart to just swap out Richie James for Khalil Pimpleton. Maybe that gives the you know a jolt to the punt and kick return special teams, which the Giants desperately need right now. One other name that I was just going to throw out there was Marvin Jones Jr. from the Jacksonville Jaguars, 32 years old. He's on the books. I don't know how the money will work if you trade him after the – the June one deadline to make a trade in season. It's 2.7 dead cap for Jacksonville, $6 million in cap savings. So depending on what that number looks like, you know, maybe you could shed it and obviously it wouldn't cost anything. He's 32 years old. So another name to keep in mind here, but as Andy just pointed out, like I am a very pro Khalil Pimpleton guy. Now let's understand he's a rookie wide receiver and that's not going, I know that the fan base isn't going to get blown away by that, but let's look at the track record here. Joe Shane has added players into the practice squad 
built them up. Some of them have come up to contribute, right? And you found a way to manufacture success on both sides of the football. That's not just because, you know, Joe Shane likes finding diamonds in the rough. It's because they don't have any effing cap room and they don't want to give up any capital, right? Like there's a reason why you've seen the moves happen the way they have. When you lose Darian Beavers after releasing Blake Martinez, you understand that we got rid of Blake Martinez because he wasn't a team guy, wasn't fitting our mold, and we were really liking what we saw from Darian Beavers. When he goes down, the logical move would be, let's go out and get a veteran guy that's making six, seven, eight million dollars that can stabilize. You can't do it. You don't have the ability to do it. So you piece it together. You bring back a Jalen Smith who hasn't been able to find a home in the league. You bring in Ward who had success in a previous regime under Wink Martindale, but is a veteran and doesn't cost a lot. That's what the method has been. So you try to follow that breadcrumb trail and say, this is what I think could be the case. So it'll be interesting to watch here. The other things I just want to touch on here briefly. And by the way, Obviously, the deadline is later this afternoon. If something goes on, uh, you know, one of us, both of us will try to hop on and obviously break it down. We, uh, no one will be happier to be pleasantly surprised that the Giants do go and make a big move for one of these bigger names. But the last things I wanted to note here just quickly is that the Baltimore Ravens released cornerback Daryl Worley also happening today as well. Now, I went and just pulled him up. He was there the last two seasons, obviously. Wasn't putting up big numbers. He only He's played in 74 career games. He has five career interceptions. I, I bring him up. Why? Because the Giants need help at that position. And he's 27, almost 28 years old. And I could see a guy with familiarity and ties to Wink Martindale. Maybe there's an opportunity for him to get brought in here and picked up and say, hey, if we want to cycle guys through our practice squad and potentially see some reps, you know, on a week to week basis, we sometimes identify guys that are having success on the outside for us and then also sometimes struggling. So I want to make sure we got that name out there. And I'll also throw out another one, which was Ugo Amadi. He also got released. Uh, that is coming from, I believe. Oh, where'd he come from? Oh, I'll find it here. It's like, oh, that, off the Tennessee Titans. So they made that waving that move there as they were making some other practice squad moves. He is not necessarily someone who has a ton of NFL experience, five and nine. So a little bit on the smaller side, obviously 25 years old, but there are some names. These are things that are going to happen around the league, right? Guys, are, other teams are doing work in the margins. The giants may serve to benefit from that as much as anything. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, Adam, we, we stressed this before we mentioned guys like Aziz Ojolari coming back. Evan Neal will be back. They'll get some reinforcements. The Giants are also going to get back Cordell Flott. They're they're hoping to have Rodarius yeah. Williams back as well. So they are going to have a couple of players that have been injured in the building coming back. You know, people may not be as excited as, as the shiny new toy that you can go spend draft assets on from another team. But again, this bye week is coming at the perfect time, not only to get everybody healthy, but if we if the Giants do make a move, this person has two, oh, basically two weeks to get acclimated, understand the scheme, the game plan, the concepts, and be able to contribute coming right out of the bye week when the Giants take the field again. Yep, and we'll close this one out here, but just as uh, just to put a kind of a cap on it, Jordan Renan, who's obviously uh, covers the Giants, does a great job reporting on them. The Giants do have interest in Jerry Judy, but the price would have to be right. And last I checked, the Broncos wanted a lot for him. Giants aren't in a position to give up high picks. And this was in response to, I think, just a fan who was saying, if you get the chance to add a young player on a rookie contract, you do it, parentheses, Jerry Judy. And I, I, and I just want to say, again, we're both fans of the team, so we understand the sentiment, but that's just not the way it works. It's not just if you have a chance to do this, you go and you do it. No, if you have the chance to improve the team, you think about it. 
you figure out what it's going to cost you and what it's going to mean long term. If you thought that Jerry Judy was going to be a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver for you and was going to pair with Daniel Jones for years to come, okay, you can sell me that. But if this is the idea of go all in on this season and it's a rookie contract and see where you are a year or two from now, you cannot take those kinds of risks, especially when you've been building such a strong foundation for the New York football giants. At the (sighs) end of the day, Adam, nothing that Joe Shane has done since he's taken over screams that the giants are going to pay a first round high capital draft pick for an expensive player from another team or a guy that you know necessarily is going to contribute today. Remember, James Bradbury, huge cap hit, key contributor to the team. They had to let him go because he did not want to push cap space down the road. He's been playing great for Philadelphia, but Joe Shane didn't mortgage next season to just get by for this season, right? Yeah. Look at Logan Ryan. He released him and got minimal cap space, but released him because he was like, I don't want to extend him as well to push more money down, down the line. So he's shown already that he's not going to mortgage the future just to get one extra win or get an incremental gain this season. And by the way, that's almost the proof that would convince him he shouldn't go make the big move. He had to give up talent off this roster like James Bradbury wasn't because he didn't like the talent had to give him up for financial reasons and the team is still having success right so if you're Joe Shane I'm putting my pieces in place I've sacrificed that what I what I've needed to to correct the financials for this team going forward I'm not about to shoot myself in the foot especially when I see guys improving and getting playing time the wide receiver room is not perfect but you have to have guys step up and you have to play in the margins at least for this season if you're the New York Football Giants. Get over to YouTube, guys. Why? Because we're there. And we're doing this show five days a week. You can subscribe. You can rate, review it, love it, share it, tell your friends. Maybe over the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up and I think a great way is you send out cards to everybody. You say, Happy Thanksgiving. I wanted you to know the One Giant Podcast is really good. And you can put a link in. You know, you can do one of those scannable codes. Whatever works for you. Uh, And then obviously get over on the podcast feed and get that where we get those needs fulfilled as well until next time friends coming in with updates as they break as andy makowitz would want need and nay demand the people know as always let's go big blue